Hello there, you're very welcome to Purple Psychology Podcast. You're here with Melanie Hoskin and I'm talking to Nisha O'Reilly. Hello. Hi, Nisha. Um, today we're actually talking about timescales. You have an idea that people should have a developmental timescale. Yes, and I suppose I kind of, in the last episode, I kind of wrapped this up mm. in my own development scale and I've been mm. very aware of that. So I'm a bit of a freak. I chart how people work and how long it takes and where they get to um, and what happens. And I actually read people's biographies to study their timescales. It's a sort of, it's almost like a hobby. Um, <laughs> it's not a hobby, I'll admit. Um, but I am really interested that everybody has to have a development scale, so you have to do certain steps in a certain order to get to somewhere. Like, mm. um, you're not going to start uh, trigonometry and maths mm. if you haven't grasped the number line and fractions. That's a very simple outlook, mm. okay? Mm. So we always have to build on the information that we learn. So and like goal setting? Yes, All right. right. Yeah. Uh, kind of, but... With goals, you don't necessarily have to do things in a certain order, mm. right? And I always describe that the people that I work with, particularly I take on a lot of cases where people have sort of washed their hands off and they've all been to other people. I describe them like onion people. I have to peel back layers like an onion and you can't start in the middle of an onion. Mm. Well, not unless you've chopped it in half and yeah. you don't really want to chop people in half. So you have to peel yeah, back yeah. the layers, okay? And it, it's... It, I don't know, it's funny really, it's my way of thinking about it, but that it, 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 it's my way of thinking about it because I know that I have to do things in a certain order and in a certain way and mm. I have to take the time to do that and sometimes I have to go backwards before I go forwards and I quite often go backwards in particular with adults. Um, a really interesting part of, of the homework club was that all the people I took on as teachers had the space to develop as people too and I remember one of the teams saying to me that she didn't think that I realised just how much freedom I gave people to do that. And it got to the stage in the end where I used to get a lot of inquiries from people going, you know, oh, it would be great for my career if I come work for you. Mm. Because they, they all excelled in whatever their field was. And I suppose I did take on bright young people. Um, they were very passionate about their area, they had a huge interest. They were brilliant communicators. They wanted everyone to love their subject, mm. whether it was theatre, English, astrophysics, whatever it was. They wanted them to love their thing. Mm. And... They all influenced a lot of students into going into their areas over the years too. But as people, they had the space to develop and they worked for me part-time. They did their day career, which gave them the Excel in what they were applying. It was very hard, for instance, for me to find an accountancy teacher. And in the end, I found one who was a credit controller for an Irish sports team because mm. she was still an accountant but she taught a bit more outside the box in a practical way, yeah, yeah. and she really related well to teenage boys who were doing candlesy and were brilliant at sport. Okay. And because of yeah, it, because she was yeah. able to bring it in, and mm. it was very hard to find because most accountants are quite square. Mm. That's just the sort of personality yeah, they are because yeah. they have to be so exact, mm. and so they don't always work well as teachers. And mm. um, so that was the way that I, I had to think a bit differently. One of my big things that I don't have an answer to eight mm. years on is that. In schools, there is no space for the teacher to develop. It's, it's, it's a career. You've gone into it. 
You don't necessarily get to develop outside. I know teachers that do develop outside and become brilliant at, say, yoga, mm-hmm. but they don't bring yoga back into the classroom. Yeah. And they don't have the flexibility to do that. That's a really simple example. Mm-hmm. But so there's quite a lot of people who are teachers who are doing brilliant things outside, and they just don't have the space to bring that all back in. And what kind of a difference do you think that would make to, say, schools even, where teachers will be allowed to go and develop something and bring it back? I think that you can't expect students to develop if the teachers don't develop. Mm. It's, it's really core. Everyone has a development path. And if you go into a job and you stop developing, you lose interest, you're not happy in yourself, and you're not in a good space, you're not going to make people happy around you, you've lost control, and you don't feel like you're contributing. There's so many different aspects to mm. it. Um, and I think that's a lot of reasons why teachers get burnt out. Because of developmental gaps yeah. that have been created because they can't explore or they can't go out and develop. Yes, it's, it's a huge part of it. Do you think, um, do you think that we're micromanaging people? Yes, this is a, this is a big one for me. Um, I wondered with certain conditions recently mm. if it had got worse to have a certain condition. And I was talking in a conference recently. Mm. And the only difference I can see is that a lot of adults that I would work with who could have been diagnosed with the same condition, would have kind of, they sort of just floated along in school, just under the radar, and they weren't Mm. picked out. Mm. And a lot of people now are picked out, and they're given a reason and given a label. And this goes back to the developmental part of this, and the fact that different people develop in different timescales. And so people are all being measured against some average or some scale, some arbitrary scale, Mm. and expected to achieve certain milestones in a certain way, Mm. and not everybody does. So then they feel like they haven't done something right, and we're going to talk in the next episode about the effects of labels on families and identity and all of that and the effects of it. Mm. And so they're then given a diagnosis and given a label. They still don't have the space for me to fix it quite often to go back and look at the course. I end up writing a lot of letters to school asking them to give us the space to work on things and to give us the understanding that we need to go back and go backwards before we can go forwards. And what kind of space would you be looking for, Anisha? Like, what are you asking the school for? To stop homework for a couple of months. Right. To stop uh, giving them um, material that's not at their peer level, that they know is not at their peer level because they can't do their peer material and that's really damaging. Mm. To basically to stop asking them to read out loud in class. That's really basic. So to stop... Stop giving them stuff that's kind of damaging them because they haven't got the confidence or they feel they're not or they just don't they, they yeah or they just don't have the skill set or they're not developed to that level and and the big thing is if you're measuring everybody to a certain arbitrary yeah. scale and you're making certain expectations mm. on people that really doesn't work and we have we've started as a society in every country mm. to hugely focus mm. the only difference is then how we deal with it uh, in the UK there's not any expectations of you to do well. Mm. In the US, you have an educational plan written for you um, that takes you down a completely different roadmap sometimes to Mm. other people, uh, for better or worse. In Ireland, you're taken out of the class and sent for resource time. I suppose that happens in every country. um, And you're made to feel like there's something really wrong and that you really can't keep up and that there's something really basically really wrong with you and so, that you're really stupid. And obviously people are going to focus on that rather than how they can get out of that or how, to, how they can fix that. They're going to focus in on, on the fault, so to speak. Yes, very much so. Um, what kind of response do you get from schools when you ask for that kind of space or that kind of... Very positive. Okay. I have to say, I, I've never known a school to, to turn it down. Mm. I think, I, I find 
that schools are always very willing to help. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I find that when we give them the reasons for things or, and quite often when I set uh, material for the students to do, they'll try to incorporate it in, in, mm-hmm. in what's going on. So no, I, I, I can't say... It's very, very rare mm. for, for somebody to argue it. Well, it wouldn't make sense for somebody to argue it because it's going to help uh, help a child. Yeah. So you will be working alongside the school then. You will be an extra tool. Yeah, I, 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 for me, I see myself as an mm. extra resource. I don't, want, yeah. I don't want it to be a battleground. Yeah, like we're, both, we're both on the same side. We both want the student to do well. Yeah, okay. You have a bit of a problem with um, the junior search cycle. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I have I, a problem with it. Oh. I have a bit of a concern. I have concerns. Yes, I suppose. Right. So when I started university myself, it wasn't mm. semesterized, and we just had exams in June, and that meant that actually, you could kind of you weren't under pressure. Mm. I had to do lab write-ups a lot because I was doing science, mm. um, and that was fairly continuous. But there wasn't a huge amount of pressure. You could learn your own time frame. You could get involved in a lot of activities and so on. And so that was really good. And then halfway through my degree, it became uh, semesterized. And suddenly, mm. I had more exams and more pressure. Um, when I work with PLC students in particular, that's all continuous assessment and it's all continual assignment. So there's no exam, but there's a constant mm. flow of pressure. And people find that really hard. I think the junior search cycle is going to be constant continual assessment, constant continual stress. And I worry how we're going to have the space to go backwards because if you've missed something and it's already been assessed does it matter if i if i help you with it because you still think oh i failed that so um so from a mindset point of view um i'm not sure how it's going to work and one of the odd things if i did have a criticism of schools is that quite often when we work with a student i've seen this happen multiple times now so People will decide what level a student's at, mm. and no matter how much we help them, and how much we watch them grow, they'll always seem to be at that level. And in the beginning, I used to think, oh, it's just a pressure when they go back into school, or they don't do well on exams, or they don't do well writing the essay on their own. But then we started to actually look at what they were doing, and we started to realise that, no, actually, they were taking what they were doing with us, and they were applying to what they were doing. Mm. So what was happening was that someone had made a judgement which box you went in, and you stayed in that box, right? So if you have a continual junior search cycle and you decide what box someone's in from, from a certain assessment, mm-hmm. will that be carried through for the three years? And that box then becomes the default position? Yes. That people revert back to thinking, well, this is the level I'm at, this yep. is the level... It's kind of like a glass ceiling a bit, isn't it? Yeah, it is, very yeah. much so. Yeah. Okay, patience and, you know... Patience in terms of getting the result. Yes. How important is that? It's huge, and I'm going to talk a bit more about the family aspect mm. of this in the next mm. one. Um, it's much easier for me to work with adult clients sometimes mm. because they've chosen to come to me, they've chosen to work with me. I don't have to justify myself to anybody. And if I think that that person's going to take X time to get down the road to a certain place, it's no big deal. And quite often, I won't tell them that. Mm. I'll know that. I'll know how long it's going to take them to mull over ideas in their head and talk to certain people and maybe make some very big um, life decisions in the meantime that are going to declutter their life Mm. and let them do certain things. And, you know, so all that takes time. And I I don't have to worry about it because it's an adult. Mm. It's a whole other different scenario when I work Mm. with families. Mm. Well, 
And I suppose, would a student feel that they need to have results or, or a measure of results that feeds back to the parents? I think they feel they have to, that they've let everybody down quite often. Um, and we talked about this in the yeah, interview I yeah. did with you, that there's a real sense of, I've, I've let everyone down. Um, mm. So I, I think that's a big factor in it, in that they, they want, sometimes they want to run before they can walk, and they still want... Um, sometimes I find the people who are trying so hard to achieve and to please, um, and, and to please certain people and to reach certain places, um, they're very set in their ways to do things. Mm. They're usually very convoluted and very complicated ways to do things, and mm. um, but it's the same way that they've been doing, and they're very reluctant to change because even though I've given them a much easier way to do it, mm. they're kind of like, oh, if I do it the easy way, will I still get the results? Right, so they're afraid to change. Yeah, where, where the re, where the reality is is that if mm. they made it a lot less complicated, well, they'd not only get it done, but they get it done much quicker, and it wouldn't be as much heartache. So they would not only get it done, but they definitely get it done better. But do parents know? Like, do you ever meet parents who? just that they 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 don't think that their children are thinking in that way that you know I failed I'm not good enough I'm I'm or I'm stupid or I'm I find the parents that come to me incredibly aware mm. and maybe that's because they sought me out but they're very aware always I always say to people that parents always know their children's potential mm. and and the parent always knows their own child best Mm. And and sometimes, which we'll talk about in the identity in the next mm, podcast, mm -hmm. and that's the biggest um, conflict that they face. Okay, uh, happy to leave it there. Um, this is Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Melanie Hoskin with Nisha O'Reilly. Thanks a million. Thank you very much.